Welcome to DBPA, the Drunk Bitches Podcast. I'm Jamie. And I'm Sarah. Each episode, we pair a wine with a topic where you get more lip with each sip. So let's get started. But first, pass the wine, bitch. Hey, Sarah, are you ready for this week's episode? I am. I've been kind of pumped up since I watched this movie. Oh my God. I know. You guys, we did some preparation for DBP this week. And uh, also, I will say we're recording this remotely. It's a little chilly outside to be doing it outside. So unfortunately, I don't get to partake in Sarah's wine popping today, but that's okay. I've got my own glass of bubbly over here. But today, our episode is in a galaxy far, far away. Or is it? I don't know. (laughs) So we're going to find out. But, you know. Uh, It's going to be interesting. It is. And we have the Galaxy Red Blend to drink with this episode, which was, it was kind of perfect because it was an inspiration for us to do an episode. But then this documentary, The Phenomenon, just came out and it just paired wonderfully. So this is a 2013. It's a red blend. It's actually made by Trilado Wines, which is a very... um, I'm not familiar with Trilado. Oh, you've had them, right? Yes. Very well known. um, Higher, I guess, higher end-ish for Napa. But yeah, they're in Stag's Leap District. And this blend is 52% Merlot, 33% Syrah, and 15% Cab Sauv. So I'm going to go ahead and get this one open. It's actually... A little pricey of a wine. Yeah. Um. Yes. So again, we've said it multiple times on DBP. The Sarah Steels are just incredible. So, what did you pay for this wine? I paid thirty five dollars. Okay, which is already it's like a higher. It's already on the wine. higher end of like yeah. what you're going to drink, especially like every day, you know. But let's say somebody wanted to drink along with this episode and drink this very wine. What could they expect to pay? So if you're local, you could go to Ray's and get it for $40 right now. Nice. Okay. But Ray's in Wauwatosa. But if you're not, um, it's about like average 65 online. I was so surprised. I had no idea when I bought it or, you know, they were doing like a special and I did not know. I mean, I knew I got a deal, but I didn't think it was that that big of a deal. Yeah. Right. That's like almost half off. That just seems so right and yet not right. Yeah. It's just, well, I'm very jealous. It is open. I don't know if anyone could hear my pop because it was very quiet. It was a very, I heard the squeaks of the cork over yeah. the, the pop. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to go ahead and pour this, baby. Do it. Sorry, I already right. poured my sparkling. Remote cheers. Hold on. Remote cheers. All right. Okay. So I'm going to, this is a 2013. I probably should have brought my aerator um, because it is seven years old, but it is fermented in stainless steel tanks separately. So each grape is fermented separately. Right. And then they're blended after six months in barrels and they're aged in 18 months in French oak, 50% new French oak and 50% old. So there should be some oakiness on this wine I would think a little bit but when you have cab you usually want some oak anyway yeah and definitely helps to soften some of the tannins for sure so wine enthusiasts gave this 91 points so we'll see it is a very dark color which could be oh my god 33 percent Syrah so wait just just where you held it I mean we're on zoom so sorry you guys you can't see it it looks super purple right here yeah which is was characteristic for Syrah so yeah I'm thinking that's probably what that has to do but oh how's it smell it smells like so good you're making me so jealous like berries and there's like a little bit of like a smokiness almost which is funny because I just read the wine notes and I didn't even know that before I said that. And it says a hint of sweet smoke. Well, I'm going to have to come get this from you later. You will. All right. So this, yeah, for the price, it made no sense getting two of these, but okay. Oops. I'm going to let this breathe. Uh, it is, it is definite, it's powerful and I can taste the oak. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. So this is super interesting the way that they have gone about like making this wine. So you mentioned it's like 52% Merlot, 33% Syrah, 
and 15% cab. And this is the 2013 vintage, but it appears that it's a, it doesn't have a lot of vintages to begin with. Like there's only what we could find 2011, 2012, the percentages of each of those grapes actually changes from year to year and actually pretty drastically. And these grapes are coming from three well-known, like well-respected winemakers of the region in California. Maybe this will ring a bell to some people who are listening here, but we have Marissa Taylor of Rutherford Hill Winery. I know I've at least seen that. I think I've actually had Rutherford Hill. She contributes the Napa Valley Merlot. There is Elizabeth Viana. The She does the Cabernet Sauvignon from Stag's Leap District. And then Brian Parker adds Dry Creek Syrah. So the thing any, that I'm Any now, relation to Robert Parker? I mean, I'm going to take a stab and almost say yes. Just because I, I know, know Beau Frere, remember uh-huh. that, that Pinot um, yes. that we had from Oregon? Um, mm-hmm. That is actually Robert Parker's brother-in-law, oh, Beau Frere. And, and Beau Frere is amazing wine. Uh, Beau Frere is totally amazing. Totally expensive, but totally oh amazing. Oh my God, so good. I have a bottle in um, my cellar. I have a lot of bottles. I bought several um, when I was out there last, uh, oh my God, it was a year ago. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> want to go back. God, how time um, changed. Things that can happen in a year. Things that can happen in a year indeed. Um, so they, um, so all three of these winemakers continue to provide grapes for this galaxy blend that Turlato, I guess, is, uh, it, they're sort of the, the producer of it all. Like they're, they're the ones that brought this into being. Mm-hmm. And, you know, maybe it's like, because these are already separately, they're outstanding grapes, but together they're just like out of this world. Maybe, I don't know. Let's take it to the galaxy reference, you know? Yeah. But I think it's really cool because, and actually here's the note that I found about the 2010 galaxy. It says that the 2010 galaxy is 34% cab, 33% Syrah and 33% Merlot. So you see a huge shift and flip-flop in terms of like the cab Merlot contribution. Right. And I want to say even one of the other vintages had more Syrah than anything else, if I'm not mistaken. That might have been the 2012. At any rate, I think it's such a very, three fantastic grapes by themselves, great varietals and just grapes and locations from California. Definitely what I would expect to be quite a powerhouse of a wine. It, It is really a powerhouse just from drinking it. Funny enough, I'm trying to find out about Brian Parker and I don't, I don't see a relation that I can find. However, his contact information says that he's in Deerfield, Illinois. No shit. Yeah. So should we go stalk him? He's, he's right down the street, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> interesting. Brian, so, do you need any visitors? <laughs> can we come? No. Maybe we should come visit you. That's awesome. So anyway, yeah. I mean, I think that this is this is such a unique, I think, experience to have such mm-hmm. three very diverse grapes made into this this singular like red blend from you know the galaxy did they call it galaxy because the wine they think the wine is out of this world i'm gonna take a leap and say sure okay <laughs> <laughs> that makes sense to me it, i couldn't i actually didn't find anything like i didn't find anything the on the name. yeah yeah so. but sarah you said something else too that this might be the last vintage Yeah, so I read um, that it might be the last vintage. So when I got this from Ray's, that's kind of what they had prefaced it with, that this was the last vintage and that it could actually do well for another two to three years. So you're saying I should actually try to get a bottle from them? Potentially. They say it represents grace, elegance, and power. I like it. Yeah. So... Yeah, so uh, should we revisit a little bit about Merlot since this has so much Merlot in there? Let's do that. It's been quite a while since we've talked Merlot. Talked about Merlot, yeah. And I think Merlot is one of those, it's like an underdog of a grape, I think. It's, it has it got, yeah, if it's done right, right? So, oh, 100%. Yeah. So, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I'm getting a lot of the Syrah on this wine, more even though this is over 50% Merlot. Yeah. But it doesn't, it's uh, 
like Syrah's like pepperiness and stuff like that. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. And the de- and more of the depth because Merlot is not. I, the the interesting the one thing that's Merlot-ish about this wine is like with Merlot, I feel like you get a burst of flavor and it doesn't last. And I feel like I'm getting that with this. There's not like a large amount of tannin or anything like that. Okay. And yeah, I'll and Merlot Merlot does not have a lot of tannin. It's right. generally it's generally lower on that end. See, it's funny because like I I've definitely had Merlots where it has a shorter finish, but yeah. I think that that's maybe slightly like lower quality Merlot. Mm-hmm. Get to like higher quality Merlot. I the, the way that I think about Merlot and this is part of the reason why I do actually I do like Merlot uh, single varietal. I equate it to like it tends to have like a more like velvety or plush texture and it's I find it almost like you're drinking mercury like if you could like it's make liquid mercury into like a wine don't drink liquid mercury people that's not that's not what I'm suggesting but like it it has like this way of just kind of coating your mouth but not coating your mouth and it is this like very cool burst of flavor and fruit that oh I agree I feel like you get a it's a I feel like it's a fruit bomb almost like Merlot and um you know if it's done right it's super smooth now interestingly enough I know people a lot of people like are like very Merlot or cab you know one or the other but they're actually related because they're both children of Cabernet Franc so Cabernet Sauvignon and Merlot are both the kids of Cabernet Franc. So they're like, you know, kind of related. They're siblings. Okay. And actually, they they work well together. And I think part of the reason why we see a lot of Cab Merlot blends is because they plant really well together. Merlot actually ripens earlier and then the Cabernet ripens later. So it's like in terms of a winery and like thinking about like a process or like a vineyard process, like you can go through and you can pick your Merlot and then start that kind of going through the process. And then you have time to continue and then then go grab your Cab uh, grapes off of the vines and start processing that. So they work kind of hand in hand and they do tend to balance each other out quite a bit because I think of what you just said, there's tends to be more fruit, less alcohol on and less acid in terms of the Merlot. You're going to get the opposite of that. You're going to get tannins. You're going to get more acid. You're going to get more, uh, what's it called? More alcohol from the cabs. That's where we tend to get that, that bigger, bolder uh, body. And when you blend them, it really just kind of creates more depth and complexity and balances things out. So that's part of the reason why, you know, when you, a lot of people really like French wine and Mm -hmm. the Bordeaux wines, like red Bordeaux and the two primary grapes in red Bordeaux are Merlot and Cabernet Sauvignon. I mean, not to say that you can't have some of the other, like there's like four other grapes that you could potentially have in there, but that's why you see these two as like the main actors, if you will. Right. Um, so Merlot is something that we talked about in, in several episodes, I think, about how it's gotten quite a bad rap, partially because of sideways. But I think that that also ultimately helped um, weed out some of those like just kind of mass production bottles that we see uh-huh. that are just like kind of like the shit wine that has given Merlot a bad name. And so there's now those people who are actually still planting it are doing it really well. And they, they have every intention of kind of carrying forward that quality. Yeah. So we do, we do see it in a lot of different countries. I mean, it's, it's here in the U S we see a shit ton in France, Italy actually grows Merlot, which seems kind of weird. Spain, Romania, Bulgaria, Chile, Australia, tons. Yeah. We are definitely going to see, and you have a lot of different options for where you get Merlot from. And um, it's true. Yeah. Yeah. And a lot of options on food pairings because it does well with meats. It does well with like tomato based dishes. I actually feel like I really would like some chocolate right now with this. (laughs) And I think that it goes really well with chocolate as well. Um, Aged goat. uh, Yeah. 
turkey. And roasted, roasted mushrooms, Sarah. This is up your alley for sure. Oh, I know. I love them. I've actually, you know what? I made a recipe. In fact, I brought it to your house before with, uh, I think it was Merlot braised mushrooms. And it was a recipe I got mm-hmm. from one of my wine clubs. Um, I love me some mushrooms. Yeah, it was pretty, pretty delicious. Before we move on to our topic, we forgot to say the ABV and it's 14.5%. Oh, yeah. Good call. Very typical. That's still of, pretty high. Though, Napa for, wine, but, but Napa wine is, for, is yeah, but Napa wine. It's Napa right, wine. True. I feel like it's always on the higher end, you know. So here we go. That's true. So yeah, I, I have this bottle to myself, so I might be, you know, tanked, <laughs> tanked by the end of this. Although I will leave you some, Jamie. So <laughs> a smorsel at least, please. Exactly. Just anyway. the last drop of the yeah. bottle. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Well, okay. I am like itching to get onto this topic because please, I watched this movie. So everyone knows that we have already talked about an alien type, you know, topic. Right. What was that? Episode 91? Episode 91. So if you don't know, we did. We talked about, we had a topic, episode 91, Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where we talked um, a little bit about a man who used to work at Area 51 and kind of came clean with some of the the things that he saw there. So I'm not going to get too much into that. But anyways, this movie just got <laughs> released. It's called The Phenomenon. It is a documentary. It's available on Amazon. It's available on Amazon for $4.99 for rent, $3.99 if you want SD. Um, and it is very interesting because it basically is, so I guess in April of 2020, the government actually came clean and said that they acknowledge that there are UFOs and that they have been researching and looking into them for several years. Now, this is a huge groundbreaking thing because they've denied it since like 1940 vehemently denied yes like not just like we are saying like oh no that's not real it's like a absolutely not like we are not investigating any of this like we're not doing anything blah 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 like yeah absolutely like this is a complete role reversal Mm -hmm. so oh shocking the government's changing their tune um yeah. Oh, we've been lied to. Oh, I could have never guessed. So that's really what's coming out. And this kind of goes through um, all the different sightings that have occurred uh, in the U.S. And they do talk a little bit about some of the other countries um, in the world and what the relation is with some things that have been going on in in our country and in our world. Yeah. Um, and they talk, they interview all these people that had these sightings and they show some footage and some of them from back then, and then they interview them now. So I think it's a really nice, um, cohesive way of showing the, you know, what happened then and then talking to them now and saying, you know, what do you guys think? And then there's several people from the government that are also in this documentary. I think that is what one of the most like earth shattering things about this particular film is. I mean, again, we had listened to, and if you're so inclined to listen, want to learn more about area 51 and Bob Lazar, who used to work there, it's, he has a very interesting story himself, but the interesting part about this, the phenomenon is that there are so many different government officials who have worked either senators uh, who like basically earmarked money or got money to put forward to these secret secret missions, if you will, to start to re- do this research, as well as individuals who were pivotal in terms of the discoveries and in terms of um, conducting the analyses over the years they're interviewed in this, which I don't know that that sort of access has been really available. I don't, I don't know. I don't know if people up until this point, like have been kind of like scared to talk about it. I mean, like Bob Lazar himself was like very uncomfortable kind of disclosing everything that he did more publicly, but it seems like the people now who were interviewed in this, like they had no qualms about it, at least as it, you know, showed on, on the screen there. 
But they also, I mean, they were like very clear about what it was that occurred. And, and even in some instances, like why some of it occurred and why some of it was stated in a particular manner. So I think that that is one of the most, I was going to say compelling, but it's one of the most interesting things about this particular film as opposed to other ones that might be available because we haven't heard really too much from the government individuals themselves. And now, now we are. Exactly. And this is basically, you know, admitting fault as well, um, or cover up, I should say. So what were some of the, I guess, what are, what were some of the key things that stood out to you? And I don't want to ruin the movie for everybody, but. Oh my God. Um, are we going to be able to not ruin it for everybody? Uh, I mean, yeah. We're not we're not going to disclose everything. No, we're not going to disclose everything. Um and I will say maybe it would be beneficial to talk a little bit about like we had talked about aliens before. I mean, I used to get freaked out as a kid about this whole alien situation. Yeah. Um and then my dad came up with like a really good lie or something to, to make me not scared. And so I you love know, this. I think it's so funny. It's a oh, lie. Should I share? Oh. Yeah, you should. So he, like, I, I would, like, wake up in the middle of the night thinking that there would be, like, Martians or aliens that were going to come take me, like, from my bedroom and abduct me. And I remember my dad coming in. I had to be less than eight, probably. And he came in and, like, sat on my the edge of my bed. And I remember him telling me, like, it's okay. It's okay, honey. Like, they're not real. But you know what? If they are, they're going to be so small that they're not even going to be able to, like, take you away. They, they wouldn't even be able to lift your bed. There need to be hundreds of them in order to do that or something of that nature. And I was like, oh, okay, okay. And I, you know, didn't have nightmares again about this. How the fuck would you know? <laughs> like, it's just such a funny thing because, you know, I great thinking on his part, I guess, like in the middle of the night, like, to have the wherewithal to come up with something that actually like had some credence to it. Like it had, it sounded very believable. We'll put it that way. I mean, that's very creative. Yeah. I do feel, and I think the end of the last episode that we did about this topic, like to think that we are completely alone in this world, I think is, it's juvenile basically. Like you mean in the universe, in the universe. Yeah. 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 In the universe. Like it's, it's ignorant to think that there's only one life form like us or out there. And so, you know, what the shape is or of these other life forms that do exist out there in the galaxy and the universe, I don't know. I simply can't say. Maybe there are people who, there are individuals who look just like us. There's another exact replica of Earth or something. It's possible. But this film was really interesting because although I do believe that, I think that it spoke to some of like the, maybe the scare, I think it was kind of scary. <laughs> like what was disclosed a little bit. Uh, yeah, I do too. Because, okay. So I don't think that anything, any of the sightings that were described in the movie or encounters were at all seems like the other life form, the aliens or the UFOs were menacing or out to get them. Right. Or wanting to do harm. It did not seem like that for any of it's not like abductions or anything. No, like it that. did not. Yeah. It was not. I don't think anyone they interviewed or anyone they talked to felt that way. Mm-mm. So I think that's a great thing. However, the, okay. So I'm just going to get down to like do what it. I just thought get was down like to the breath. totally creepy. Okay. So they talk about how, so first they start out with the pilots and the pilots are seeing the UFOs and they see these flying discs and they have no idea what they are. And they are going like way, way faster than even anything that we have that's technologically capable. And they're going in different directions, which is in like right angles and hovering. It's impossible. Yeah. And, you know, at the time there was wars going on, you know, they talk about how, you know, at first it was like World War II and there was Cold War and all that. And, but this is still something that they never thought could be, it's not like it was like the Russians or anything like that, um, because it was just not technologically possible at that time. Right. So that, that is 
the first, like the first thing they kind of come out with. Then they start talking about how there starts to be sightings around the White House, the Pentagon, and then like where certain sites where our nuclear weapons are. And this is where things kind of get that. That's the one that really creeps me out. So they talk about how like there's these sightings and they're interviewing these people who are like government agents. Like they were working there. Like they, I just don't even know. And there is a situation. Are you going to disclose like what happened? Yeah, I'm just doing it. There's a situation. Yeah, please do it. It's like, it's so crazy. There's a situation that occurs on American ground where our, and I can't remember, they probably didn't tell us where these nuclear weapons are. Oh, it was like, it was in Montana. It was in Montana, okay. The first one was, yeah. Middle of nowhere. Basically, all the nuclear weapons become disarmed. Yeah. And they don't know what happens. While Mm -hmm. they have these these sightings and they can see that there's this, like, light that is, like, this, like, I think it was a red light. Yeah. That is, like. But wait, I'm going to call them the, like, the UFOs were directly over where these missiles were being stored. With shining this light down light. into them. Yep. And the government employees witnessed this. And then they saw essentially, I'm totally like shorthanding it, but then they essentially saw like all of a sudden they got, they were all disabled. I'm sorry, not all of them. It was like 10, 10 of however many they had. I, it was like a good uh, yeah. number that, that they had on site there. Isn't that crazy? It's crazy. And then what makes it even crazier is in Ukraine. So again, this is the Cold War, right? So in Ukraine, the opposite happened. Same thing, the sighting, the the hovering, the light, but they enabled theirs, which is much scarier. And they had to like, <laughs> they had to like manually shut it down. Yes, yes, because all of them were all of a sudden set to launch. And they were like, what the fuck? Like nobody, no human gave off the codes or whatever it was in order to get them there. Like that's insane. Then you, like you said, they had to manually abort all this shit. Like, could you imagine if you were there and all of a sudden, like you, you as the government employee who's like responsible for all this, all of a sudden you find out like, oh my God, I have no control over this stuff. Like what? Cause what if you manually aborted and then it's still reenacted or like reengaged? Uh, I don't so know. So many what ifs. That's actually uncomfortable. So Let's not talk about that. Yeah. But, but yeah, I so found- they- yeah, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. I was I was just going to say, they point out that there's this increase in sightings between 1940 and 1990. And this is when we saw the increase worldwide, and the U.S. was responsible for a good amount of this, but worldwide there was more nuclear uh, bombs and issues in that time frame than there had ever been. So are these aliens basically telling us like, what the fuck are you doing with nuclear weapons, guys? Get your shit together. This like, isn't the way. This isn't the way. This isn't, you know? And by the way, we can control it. That's the other crazy thing. It's hard because, you know, you have to question, like, are they trying to get a message through by doing this? You have to think, yes. Otherwise, they're not just doing it to, like, play a prank on us, right? Exactly. <laughs> I think they're doing it to, like, point it out. Be like, yeah. what are you doing with these? It's very creepy from that perspective. And I think that that is one of the, that was one of like the most shocking things for me when I watched it. Cause that was the other thing. Both of us watched this, this uh, documentary yeah. separately yeah. so that we could prepare for the episode. But I thought that was really intriguing. I thought another very interesting thing that had come out because it, it almost seems like once one thing starts to come out from one person, like it's a slow but steady uptick in how people are responding and what they're willing to like disclose and things like that. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was really interesting because there were also like in the context of this and obviously sharing this, um, these um, incidents and uh, situations that occurred. There were a number of individuals, like including one of our astronauts from Apollo 14, who had said like, oh yeah, there have been crashed crafts and materials and bodies recovered. Like, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay, cool. (laughs) 
Great. Thanks. Yeah. Um, and, but then there's also like other, um, the, the other thing that I thought was really interesting and this one, I, I'm not quite sure how to like piece it together, but like president Clinton has said, you know, he wasn't informed of anything, even though he had asked questions. Um, but he thinks that like they're like presidents are kept in the dark to some extent on certain things because it's almost like a, on a need to know basis, right? Like you've got enough shit on your plate, I guess, to worry about. Like, why do we tack this thing on? Sure. Maybe I kind of understand that, Mm -hmm. but we're also talking about like the, like covert operations that were hidden from president George W. Bush to Obama to the beginning of Trump. And this is where that congressman, um, Harry Reid, that I think I think you had sent me an email or a link to an article about him, which sort of prompted us to do this episode, um, where he said that, you know, yeah, I was a congressman and I, I allocated millions of dollars to investigate UFOs. And this is definitely like under the radar, even of the president, because we like we couldn't afford to disclose that. It was... It's just like such a weird thing to hear how like the yeah. government wor- works and well, operates. Well, it's crazy way. that the presidents don't know this, right? And so yeah. like, and Bill Clinton, they have a clip of Bill Clinton basically being like, I had no idea. No one tells me these things and I tried to yeah. find out and they, I can't, you know? Yeah. It's, that's crazy. So, but it also kind of, kind of makes sense because you have these people who are in the government for so long. And if you have a president who's only president for four years... You know, are you going to disclose all the secrets from the last 40 years? I don't know. It's kind of crazy just to think of it that way. Could you imagine Um, how long it would take for, like, this is where, like, it'd be great if our brains had, like, a USB drive where you could just take a, take a a flash drive. Yeah. uh, Plug it in in and just, like, download everything Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because, like, the amount of information that is there, and perhaps that is one of the reasons why all of this stuff that happened deck over the past, you know, several decades. Although I think, I think it's fine line, but like, it, it's not like it may be omitted simply because it's not at the forefront of what the attention of the president or whomever uh, government officials, it needs to be right. Like yeah, we need exactly. to be focused on like more immediate things, but I do think to some extent, and even to what Clinton had said, like he asked, he asked questions and he was told that nothing existed or nothing was real. And it's like, so it's not just omission. It's like even like withholding information and like the truth about yeah. what's been going on when it, when asked about it. Not well, to say that we need to like have like, you know, thousands, tens upon thousands or hundreds of thousands of pages that somebody needs to read through for this. But at a minimum, maybe brought up to speed, like a nice little summary would be great. Yeah, I know. Well, and Harry Reid does say that the evidence, most of the evidence hasn't seen the light of day. Yeah, also. So, I mean. Also a very interesting know. comment. Yeah, but it's it's crazy. Okay, so I do want to get to the end. Cause Sarah's that- mind is fucked from this. <laughs> <laughs> Like so we I were texted, talking about it. I texted Jamie after I watched this and it was like 10 o'clock at night. And I was like, <laughs> holy shit. I don't know how I'm going to sleep. Like I need some like Xanax or like <laughs> I had to like watch some friends to like, just like calm down and be like, okay. Okay. <sighs> this was like the whole movie for Are me. Are you going to? PTSD by recounting this for people. I, I'm or gonna what? be okay. I'm gonna be okay. I'm gonna, okay. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. I'm gonna, I'm gonna get. You're gonna this. drink that galaxy. You I have to say, I've got. I've got some wine to help sip. me. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. So the last thing they talk. So everything before this, this event that they discuss is just sightings. There is one where the cop does see it, like a figure who looks who's short and looks small and is looking at him. That's one. But this is, this is, I guess, the biggest like actual encounter with an alien or aliens. I think there was a few of them. Um, Do tell. Oh, and I have to say that prior to this, like you talked about 
all of this stuff was like supposed to be really like they basically they come in in droves and be like you can't say anything to anyone like they threaten people's jobs like oh yeah yeah Yeah. if people like said like oh yeah i saw this and they'd be like oh okay tell us all about it okay now never speak of it to another human being ever yeah or you're gonna lose your job and like all this other stuff so this is yeah this is a very different approach probably is why we never heard about this but this happened i think in 1994 yep and it was in zimbabwe and there was a school there and these kids were out, and I still don't understand why there was no adults at all in this entire situation. No, there were. Not in the sighting. The, I think that there were two. There was a teacher and a principal. That saw I, Yes. I, I don't know. I'd have to go back and watch that. I feel all like right. it was just Continue, kids. though. Continue. Okay. So these kids were out on the playground playing, whatever, and they saw something land And they like ran over to this UFO. And so they all, these kids are all interviewed separately and they all describe the same thing that it was like a short man or whatever dressed in like, like, I think they said white. And no, I thought this one said that it was a black, black, a black, like, yeah, like scuba. Yeah. There was, there was another sighting that said white. Yes. Yeah. Black scuba, like scuba suits. And they had these huge black beady eyes. And these kids keep talking about the eyes. Every kid that they interview keeps talking about these goddamn eyes that are looking at them. And these kids are just like looking back. And then there's all this like telepathic communication that starts happening. Okay. Jamie, you can, you can talk about what they said. Like, so these, and all these kids are like saying the same thing. So they're showing footage of when they interviewed these kids in 94. Okay, so the the major difference, like we said, I mean, here, at least as far as we are aware, like in the States and potentially Europe or, you know, in other other countries too, if somebody has said that they've seen something, it's usually discounted or they're told, like, don't ever speak of this to anyone. Like, this is classified, like, you're not allowed to talk about it. And so, great, fine. With the difference, though, here, like you said, they basically came, the children saw this whole situation unfold at their school like while at recess like they were all outside and literally the next day all the news people were there and that's the next day i thought it was maybe even the same day oh i thought it was the next day i you know i was writing notes too so i also could have been like in the midst of doing that and missing some things that were actually being said but it's so basically it was almost immediate like and the kids they, there was a teacher or I think it was the principal at the time who was interviewed for this film who said, you know, the sad part is that like these kids, they, they immediately got bombarded with these questions and interviews, didn't have a time to process anything and, or have anybody talked to them about how to process or how Mm -hmm. to work through like whatever it was that they believed that they saw. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, and I think it was the teacher who said it was very unfortunate because I, like they should have been told like it's okay and she even agreed and this is why I think there was a teacher who saw it but maybe denied it at the time that it it legit happened like the kids should definitely be believed and that it's sad because after that I think some people tried to ignore it and or convince themselves that it was just you know a figment of their imagination as they got older these kids but um But yeah, the interviews, like you said, they came in and did this and the craziest thing, like, all right, I understand like kids, kids will talk, like kids will like come up with stories and whatever. And, but when you're talking about like a seven or eight or nine year old kid, you can pretty much tell when they're making shit up. Like they, you know, there'd be like a smile on their face, especially if there's like collusion in, with respect to this. And they show their body language, like their hands. Oh like my you can God. tell they're nervous. Like they're terrified. Yeah. They, they, you can literally see it, like you said, in their eyes, in their faces, in like just their entire demeanor and the way that they're focusing so intently on the interviewer and the questions. It's, it is really, it's very raw. It's very, um, it, it's, it's a bit off-putting because you're just like, holy shit, like these kids had to be so scared in the moment. But again, they're still talking about and saying 
that they saw like the same thing. And some and what, of the things. So tell, talk about the telepathic communication. Yeah. So, is, yeah. so this is weird. Um, and I think this is where we're going to find a very common thread through what some of these children indicated that they had been told telepathically. So, I mean, the only way that the, the spaceman could communicate with them was <laughs> through ESP apparently. But yeah. So one of the girls who was interviewed said that she said, we're actually making harm on this world and we mustn't get too technological. Mm-hmm. And then the other one said, we don't look after the planet. All the trees will go down and there will be no air. Mm-hmm. And, and there was one talking about like no water and like everyone, like all these people are going to die. Yeah. And it's, it's so crazy because again, sort of the way that the kids are describing the interaction, it's, there's no question. Like they just, they basically just have these messages put into their brains. It's, it's almost, okay. It's like Harry Potter being able to like tap into Voldemort or yeah. Voldemort being able to tap into Harry mm-hmm, Potter. Right. Mm-hmm. And like, like Im- impress upon him, like some messages and maybe because the kids don't know, although they, they knew where it was coming from. Like, that's what they said anyway. So he was pretty fucked up, pretty creepy. I think that that is, we were talking about Sarah before we even started recording is like, those are messages that were coming like that these kids in 1994 were saying, not yeah. like present day stuff right. where, you know, this like technology's exploded since could you, te- 1994. My God. <laughs> right. Like we had like massive VHS and like Betamax, like, come on. And that's just like, you know, I'm just talking about like in the house stuff, but yeah, technology has certainly come a long way. And so it's interesting because like when the one girl said like, not to, we mustn't get too technological. I'm like, like everything that we do, even, even us recording this episode mm-hmm. uses so much technology, especially because we're remote, we're doing it via right. Zoom, right? And so it's like, well, shit, like what, what are we doing? It's crazy. And, you know, then they interviewed them now mm-hmm. and, you know, they're talking about it and it's just, I mean, I, that was, that, that took the cake for me. I was like, whoa. That's great. And then they're like our age. Yeah. And then there was something else that I think wasn't given as much attention in the movie. What was that? That was very also interesting. So these, they, there was some debris from one of the incidents that they talked about that was actually collected and they're at Stanford now and they're undergoing analysis Mm. and the atomic structure of these samples were, was conducted and they showed that the isotope ratios are unlike anything known to earth. So basically that's saying like this material doesn't really exist on earth. Isn't that what Bob Lazar was saying too though? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like at area 51, cause he yeah. was working on spaceships and they were trying to figure out what the hell it was. And like, they could not recreate the metal Mm-hmm. And although they could identify some of the stuff, I, I feel, I vaguely recall, they could not replicate it so that it was a stable element, yeah. basically. Material, yes. A stable so, material, yeah. Yeah, because they have like, I don't know, there's like, it's just not been done. And, and so that's the only like real hard evidence, right? In this yeah. whole thing, like there's pictures and stuff, but like that's the only like, for me, like that was the only like, hard. You cannot argue with that evidence. Yeah. And I kind of think- Does that creep you out? They kind of blew through that. They kind of were like, oh yeah, here's what's going on. It definitely wasn't the focus. I mean, I do think that the underlying focus of the film itself was like more so there seems to be at play some messaging going on from our extraterrestrial friends to us and we're not quite comprehending or processing or- doing anything mm-hmm, <laughs> with mm-hmm. that information or with that message. Yeah. And I do think it sort of boils down to that whole, like we said, maybe they're trying to tell us like that we're weaponizing too much stuff. I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. we are moving away from the, and I'm, I'm going to spin this away from like the technology, you know, whatever nerdy side to just being like, maybe there was trajectory already that we are moving away from like establishing like, 
actual relationships with individuals. And that is actually what the, we mustn't get too technological because we lose that element of being able to empathize and being able to relate and connect with people on a, a more, uh, a deeper level as opposed to doing it through like our, the screens on our phones and our, uh, Mm -hmm. laptops and things like that. I don't know. I like it. There's always room for interpretation for this stuff, but I feel like, I think you're right. Like some of that stuff was super important, but glossed over a little bit, I think in order to kind of get to the underlying message here. Yeah, exactly. So I, yeah. So, I mean, overall thoughts, any besides anything we just said? I mean, I think so. So there were a couple of things. So I think that I don't think that my opinion has changed at all. Like, I definitely think that like there are other beings in this galaxy in many galaxies that exist in this world. Um, so that hasn't changed. I think, you know, something that maybe when I was like seven years old, <laughs> that could have been helpful is uh, this one. God, I wish I remembered who the individual was, but he said, it's also at the end. He's just like, I mean, if they wanted to do us in, they could have done us in a long time ago, Mm -hmm. which Mm -hmm. is when you think about it, a pretty fair point. (laughs) No. And I agree with that. I feel like none of it. And I said this before, I feel like none of it was threatening. Right. Which is different than like, say like the movie Independence Day, right? Exactly, I mean, that takes exactly. it to the the complete opposite extreme, right. but it it is, I mean, that is, I don't want to say it's a pacifying thought, <laughs> you know, that they're, you know, they haven't done anything bad to us yet, but it's, it's still, you know, again, maybe we're focusing too much on the wrong thing here and uh, there's, there's more to learn. There's more to take away from this. But again, without information being widely disclosed, I mean, there are brilliant minds out there that maybe just don't have the degrees or don't have the connections or something. So I don't know. I mean, I have no resolution for what to do, but I, I did find this, I did find this film very interesting. And especially because up until like this year or, you know, whenever, yeah, it was, I think it was earlier this year that we did the, the Bob Lazar episode 91. I never really dove too much in to like what was going on. Like, you know, I think about it, but this is, I've definitely spent some more time and um, I'm not convinced one way or another of like what's right or what's wrong, but I think that it's, it's important to be informed. And I, I I think that that has been enlightening with respect to, you know, this and what, so the also interesting thing is at the very end, they say to call your local government officials yeah. and demand transparency. And you're like, whoa, this is crazy. So, you know, I guess there's, there's obviously a lot more. Um, and, you know, they didn't even talk about Area 51, which I no, thought was no. really interesting. Yeah. I think there so, was like a mention or something crazy. Yeah, they talked about Project Blue Book a ton, but they didn't say anything about Area 51 or anything yeah. about what Bob Lazar talked about with investigating, you know, like that was oh, just yeah, not no, even, that was completely not omitted. Completely omitted. So, so there's definitely more that they haven't come clean with. Um, but yeah, that's fantastic. So, I mean, just to top off 2020, how weird could this year get? I think this definitely, and I feel like the funny thing is too, I feel like they said this in April, right after COVID hit, right? Like, because everybody and we, you know, we're having like the Black Lives Matter movement, everything and all of that, like, I feel like it was just throwing it in there. Like, oh yeah, by the way, this is going on because in normal life, like that would have been huge. Oh, I see what you're saying. But there's so, there's so much going on that it was kind of just like, oh, okay. That doesn't matter right now. You know what I mean? But like a year ago, that would have been like the biggest news ever, you know? So I feel like that's part of the the timing is definitely something, you know, but yeah. So 2020, here you go. How do you make shit even more crazy? Yeah. Dump a bunch of aliens on it. Um, yeah, it was, um, 
I liked this homework in order to watch it. I mean, it was like what? It was. It, it was, was an it was interesting. Only like an hour and a half. It wasn't yeah, even that long. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. No, I think it was. It was definitely enlightening. Everyone should watch it. To pay, uh, pay the five bucks or whatever. Pay the five bucks. Drink something like out of this world. Like yeah, it's it's yeah, around like Halloween time. Get some candy. Oh, that sounds good. Some candy. you some chocolate with your Merlot. Find there yourself you go. a good Merlot. Do you want to go back to your wine? Yeah, let's do it. Um, <sighs> I'm so jealous. I've been watching you like. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's powerful. It's bold. I am getting some tannin a little bit now. Okay. Definitely some oak. It's dark, like dark fruits. Um, so I, I wouldn't call this an easy drinking wine. I think it's a serious wine. I think you want, you need to be like in the mood for something like powerful. Okay. And I, I do think that this, like, I don't have anything that I'm eating right now, but I mm-hmm. think it would be nice to have like something like cheese or meat or like chocolate or just something to complement it. Yep. Um, so, but yeah, it's intense. It, it's, it, they call it powerful and I totally agree. It is powerful. And I think it's a, and more of intense of a blend, but that mm. is typical for Napa. And so I would say oh, that yeah. this is like, um, a typical well done Napa blend. I so, am again, very jealous. I'm missing out, but I'm not sure why I chose to drink bubbles, but because it takes it. you to the moon. Cause it takes me to the moon. It lifts me up. It lifts you up. It's so, like that movie up, but yeah. All right. Well, thanks everyone for listening. Yeah. This is like, it's just such a fucked up, like it's such a weird topic. And I feel like, oh God, it can be so creepy, but it can also be like, so like, oh my God, what else does this mean for our world? I like, know. It's kind of it, exciting. Watch it, but don't watch it alone. <laughs> That's true. Or have a friend's episode to play right Rating. afterwards, right? Take yeah. back. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A chaser. Yeah, that's right. Oh, like All right. Well, until oh. next time, TV peeps. <laughs> Thanks Cheers. for listening. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast listening platform to help spread the DBP word. Check out our website and blog at dbpcheers.com. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at dbpcheers or on the Drunk Bitches Podcast Facebook page. We'd love to hear from you, so send your questions, comments, and fun wine or topic ideas to dbpcheers at gmail.com. Until next time, cheers from the girls of DBP. DBP.